Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Just and the Suffering podcast featuring New York sports talk from a long-suffering fan. I'm your host, Mike Phillips. Got a good show for this week. We are going baseball heavy this week with the trade deadline coming up on Wednesday. We're recording on Monday the 29th. I have a lot of baseball guests here. We're going to have the baseball beat reunited. Will Schneiderhan and Anthony Sorbellini are here to break down the Yankees weekend in Boston. Some of the concerns the Yankees have as the deadline approaches. Will's going to stick around for an interview I'm going to have with friend of the podcast, Dan Federico from Bronx to Bushville, a big baseball insider. Dan's going to help me catch up on the happenings of the trade deadline. We're going to break down the moves that have happened already and some of the rumors that are going on right now as the deadline closes in on us. I'm also going to stick around for this week's two-minute drill. We're going to get a film, film review of Peyton's Places on ESPN+, Plus, a brand-new web series where Peyton Manning travels the country to look at the various places that have helped the NFL become what it is now over the last century. But we'll get all started this week's opening tip, which is about the bombshell the Mets dropped on the baseball world last night when they traded for Marcus Stroman of the Toronto Blue Jays. Our reaction to that right after this. Got him. Chase down and away. What a job by Marcus Stroman to come back and strike out Mitch Moreland and Xander Bogarts as the Red Sox leave the bases loaded here in the top of the third. All right, we are back on this week's opening tip on the Just End of Suffering podcast. That call you just heard was of the newest member of the New York Mets, right-hander Marcus Stroman, in one of the most unexpected deals of the deadline to date. Probably the only big move so far. Joining me to break it all down is the Met half of the baseball beat and the unofficial co-host of this podcast, Will Schneiderhan. Will, welcome. How are you? Good, good. So, I actually learned about this trade from you because I was driving home from Rockland yesterday. Both, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then you texted me. You're like, what a move. I'm like, what happened? And you said, they got thrown. I was like, what? <laughs> what Bo- was- both sitting in traffic, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. So, what was your reaction when you heard this on the radio, I'm assuming? So, okay. So, it was different, right? There's two tiers. So, when I first heard we got Strowman, I didn't know what was going it, the other way, it was just what, what, like what, right? Like what? Are, are you sure it was the Mets? Did we get that wrong? I think you can sum it up like this. <laughs> what the hell's going on like, out here? You took the words out of mouth <laughs> because um, I I saw like a tweet after um, I went to get gas and I saw a tweet where someone had said like Bo Bichette just got pulled from a game again. It was just to call him up to yeah. the Blue Jays, but it was right after. So all you know, all this is going around. You're like, what is going on? Van Wagen and we know what he does with his prospects. It's like, oh, did we just trade Rosario for him? Something like this. Um, so yeah, I was I had no idea what to think. Part of me was like, uh, it kind of made sense because we know that Wheeler Syndergaard is on the block. But I mean, off the bat, right when I heard it, I was just talk about a, a shot out of the cannon. You yeah. know, you're like, what? Yeah, what I, I couldn't even. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, just to reset here, the actual terms of the trade. People who are not tied up to speed, so. Mets got Marcus Stroman yesterday for two prospects. Anthony Kay went to the Futures game, and Simeon Woods registered in their second-round pick last year. Stroman's a Long Island native, played at a rival high school to Stephen Matz, actually. I think they were in high school at the same time. Apparently they had, like, an iconic game yeah. against each other, I believe, too. Yeah, I think, I think one of them pulled off the if I remember correctly. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, so he's 28 years old. This year he's 6'11 with a 296 ERA for Toronto, 21 starts, made the All-Star team for the first time. Under club control for 2020, eligible for, for free agency. And I agree with you that at first you're like, what the hell did they just do? What did they give up? Like, did they do something stupid? And you look at the actual return, it's not bad in a vacuum because you look at it. This yeah. is not the Cano trade where you're trading for a out of his prime second baseman and a closer and giving up your two best prospects to do it. This is two prospects who are not as good. And you're getting a guy who can should pitch well in this market and a guy who's pitching well right now and the guy you have next year and i don't think it's a bad trade by itself uh i don't think it's i just don't think it's a bad trade at all i mean i'll be completely honest even when i heard you know on twitter people were losing their minds even after we heard what the return was and i get you know i'm not gonna let that cano trade cloud my judgment right yep. that's one thing and i think a lot of people were like they already don't like him van wagon for that trade so this was just like we heard about anthony k all year you know, again, what the hell are we doing out here? Why are we trading K for this guy? I have no issue with it. K's 24, turning 25. Hey, that's not that, – to me, you're – like, if he's 21, I have an issue with it. He's not. Yeah. So he can come up – what if he's not – what if he doesn't pitch well until two years into it he's, anyway, he's 27 and the Mets are rebuilt? You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Like, there's yeah. so many things. So I am fine with it. Uh, uh, the other kid's 18. Like, 
hey, that's just one of those ones where you don't know. You just throw them in the deal. Maybe the Blue Jays want to, you know, they see something, right? I don't really count that as a loss, to be honest. I, I'll be honest. I, I'll say it. I think it's K for Stroman, and that's a trade I do. I do it 10 times out of 10. I think this guy is going to come to this market. He's going to pitch well. He's a breath of fresh air, as cliche as it is. He's got energy to him. He's pitched in the AL East. I just think this guy's. I, I think it's a great move, especially because if now it makes it that much easier to trade Wheeler to the guard, and they can demand that much higher of a return. Yeah, as far as K goes, the one point I want to bring up here is the fact that, like, yes, he's projected to be a middle of the back rotation starter in there. Like, and I've seen like he's been beat up at AAA this year, and yep. like the scouts have said, like. Unless he develops better breaking pitches, he's not going to be a top-shelf guy. And, yeah, exactly, exactly. And he's 26, 24, 25 years old right now. So, like, yep. like how long are we going to wait for him to develop these pitches? Exactly, so. and I, I don't, I don't want to bash the kid. I do hope, you know, he goes and has a g- good career. I hope he can figure it out. But, again, he's it's not – if he was 21, it's way different. You know what I'm saying? Yep. yep. It's not like last year with Jared Kellenick where we're like, oh, Potential superstar. Because you know with him. You know, like, this kid's going to be good. With K, it's like, you sold high on him, and I think they did a very good job of selling high on him. Yeah, I think they did a good job there, and it's definitely a sign to me that Brody has something else cooking, that that you don't do this deal first if you're not doing something else. I think there's a lot. Yeah, gun, that's going to happen. I do. I really, I truly believe that. I think there may even be like two more moves that that yeah. follow this. Yeah, because if they, this is just let's say let's play in the world like they. I know right now they're playing well. They're six out of the wild card yeah. somehow, and they've not been completely buried yet. If you're adding him, that's he's your sixth starting pitcher, and you can only run five out there. So. You, even if you're doing that, someone is leaving, and you're not putting Vargas in the bullpen. So, like, you have to think, what is the actual plan here? Where do you think they're going next? Yeah, see, it's like the interesting part of it where it's kind of like you're playing with fire, right? Yep. Where it's like, okay, I added Strowman. What if I just bring Cinder- – or what if I sign Wheeler, right? They yeah. do it. Let's address Syndergaard later, right? Like, what if it's either this where it's let's keep them all, just send Vargas away – have this great staff, but realistically what they should do, again, is what they're, you know, trade. I think they should trade Syndergaard. I agree with most of the people where it's get your get the biggest return, keep Wheeler. You, sh- I mean, it, I, you know, it's funny. Like, people forget. We have an ace. Yeah. You know, these guys are good pitchers behind him. You can go with Stroman and a Wheeler and a Mats and then fill, fill you know, the fifth spot. So... I think they will trade one of these guys, but at the same time, I think Brody might say, you know what, oh, look what we have here. Look at this pitching staff we could have, and that kind of worries me because they're not really going to go out and add anything on the other side, you know? No, <laughs> no this team still has issues. I mean, their bullpen has been a mess most of the year. A lot of deficiencies, yeah. Yeah, their, their defense is abysmal, which that's my big worry with Strom is that he's a grand ball pitcher. I was about to say it, yeah. And their infield defense is horrendous. I was about to say it. He is, like, leads the league or something with ground ball rate, and they have the worst, like, just an abysmal, atrocious infield. Yeah, I mean, Todd Frazier is an average defensive third base, and, and then you have... Rosario, Rosario's been better. Hot right? cold, yeah. But he's not been good. No. Cano has lost a step. Pete Alonso is who Pete Alonso is. Yep. He's, he's there because he hits. And yep. He's competent, but he's not going to win you a gold glove or anything over nope. there. No. Nope. So that's a concern. And, like, defense as a whole, this team is bad. So, like, I don't think they can just, you know, say, you know, we're going to keep all five of them no, and make I, them run for the wild card. I don't think they have enough. No, I, I, I agree with you completely. And, and, and it, like I said, again, if there's a. If he's got this big move up his sleeve planned for the offseason or something where he's going to bring in some yeah. impact bat. Which I don't even think you can do that this yep. early. So yeah, I mean, hey, it's going to be a lot of wait and see, and it's a lot of just crossing your fingers and hoping he gets back the return that he should. Yeah, and with the Mets, you also have to think about this too. You have, I mean, you have Syndergaard as a big commodity right now. You have Zach Wheeler as a walkier player. You have Jason Vargas is also a walkier player with a lot less value than Wheeler has. Yep. You're dangling Edwin Diaz out there and seeing what you can get for him. I mean. It's they control the market for pitching right now. Well, no, I thought that is another part. Like, I think they, I, I mean, I don't know whose idea it was. I don't know how this manifested and came to be, but this is a like this is a good move for that. I don't think people really realize that. You know, like Strowman was like it was like Bumgarner. We want everybody wanted Bumgarner. He's off the board. Then it was like Bauer, Strowman, Bauer. We don't know about everybody was calling about Strowman. We nabbed him. Now you know it's like, who do we go to? The Mets, right? Yeah. And they can pretty much say, I mean, it. I think it's a. Again, it all comes down to what they do get and what they do do. But it is a brilliant 
way of doing it. I do give them credit. I give them that credit because also, say a year from now, they're in the same position. Strowman's only going to be under a one-year deal with his. Uh, I think he's in his final year of clump control. Yeah, you could flip him then too. So I think there's like a lot of things they can do, but we just hope it's not Robinson Cano yeah. 2.0. Yeah, this thing is scary with them is that they've traded away so many prospects and like a lot and we're never a lot of teams don't trade the prospects. Not like, anymore, Met, yeah. Brody's like a drunken sales, like, you want prospects, you have them, you have them, you have yeah, them. And, and, it, and then they you do this to win, they haven't won anything yet. Yeah, and it worries me that like because <laughs> they did they had a phenomenal draft, and it worries me that it's kind of like, Oh, whatever, we drafted well. So like let's give or or you know, let's draft and add, but like let's take away the say like, oh, we have Matthew, Matthew Allen is the pitching prospect, yeah. right? Oh, we have him. So we can get rid of K. So you know, I, I, it's like they're not really making themselves better. They're just doing what they usually do. They make themselves marginally better by like adding and subtracting at the same time. This is what worries me too. With them, is I feel like it's kind of like a shell game with them, where they're like kind of just like swapping spots between this year and next year. That's what, yeah. And then eventually it's gonna collapse, and then like. I feel like you could be looking at here if you don't win one, you're looking at like an Astros Cubs like rebuild where you're winning 50 games in a oh, year. Oh no, I said it to I said it to one of my friends. I said this is dangerously close to like the end of the Mets for yeah. like the next 10 years. Yeah. If you botch this, I mean it is, it is. If you don't get the returns back, it's just pawn everybody who's got a pulse and then rebuild. Yeah, I mean it's it's pretty crazy to think about because they have so much going on. They have so many chips. I mean, like, you have to pick the right card to take out of the Jenga tower before it all collapses on you this year. Yeah, it's yeah. a great – yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're, you're sitting there pulling the blocks, and you're hoping, like, oh, I hope they get this one out and then don't collapse the whole tower. That's sort of what's going on with them. Definitely, and that's not – it's just – as a fan, you're just really – it's just hope. You're hoping that it does not collapse, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Would you rather move Syndergaard now – and try and capitalize and hope somebody overpays you? Or would you rather say, you know what, I'm going to go with 2020 with him and Stroman and DeGrom and let Wheeler walk at the end of the year? I'm 2020, hands down. I, yeah. I, I I get it. Like, I know a lot of people kind of grown tired of Syndergaard. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever, albeit. Um, I still think the guy's got it. He's yeah. he's he, This could be a fluky thing. Bring him back. I mean, I just... He's going to cost less than what Wheeler is probably going to cost yeah. in arbitration. Uh, when Syndergaard enters arbitration, it's just they're not going to get that that value. I don't think from what we have seen and what's been reported. Do, have you seen anything yeah. that's like blowing you away? Right, like no. you're, it's not like the Astros are offering Jordan Alvarez and and someone else, and you're like, get me that. It's like you're hearing Manuel Marg. I'm sorry, that's like. I mean, you could probably get like you could probably trade Jason Vargas in a prospect and get Manuel Margot. Like, I cannot believe you're gonna do that for get that that return for Cindergard and Austin Hedges. I just, to me, that's not you don't trade a guy like that to fill holes. That you know what I mean. So yeah. I just I don't like that idea. I don't really think they're gonna do it. And um, unless again somebody calls up, okay, Houston Astros call up. Hey, here's Alvarez. Pick from this. Pick another name from this list. Let's get it done. Then yeah. I would do it with no no second thought. Yeah, I think it scares me with the Mets. Also, is I feel like they are very much like okay, like we can't spend all this money we have to to no, keep all yeah. this talent. So like, let's get our pitcher replaced in the yard. We're going to trade him to fill the three hole we can't spend money on for free agents, which is like you're trading like a potential dollar player for four twenty five cent players. And then yeah, a lot of times the twenty five cent players don't work. But that's what it's exactly. It's exactly yeah. It, yeah. Wait, right? Like what's yeah. Manuel Margot? Can you imagine that? Like in ten years. Like if Syndergaard does come back to what he is, and it's like, remember when we traded him for Manuel Margot and Austin Hedges? Like that's just blasphemous. Like the fan base wouldn't even allow that. I mean, he if you're if all the reports were they'd had to be blown away, and that's the return you get, then that blow you blew you away. Then there are serious issues. <laughs> yeah, and that's not even counting the fact that they won't deal him to the Yankees, which again, like. I get that there's a Yankee tax. I mean, the Yankees. Sure, yeah. I do think the Yankees would pay up for him. I mean, I think Davey Garcia would be on the table for them. And yeah. I feel like they could get Clint Frazier. They could get, like, Andujar, but, like, they won't do it because they're morally terrified of watching Syndergaard win the Bronx. Yeah. And, you know, like, Cashman, he would. I think it's definitely fair to say. I have no connections to him. I don't know. I've only read about him, you yeah. know, but I think if you called up and said, like, send the package around either of those guys. Like I would do that. That's enough for me. Like, like let's say the Yankees call the Mets right now. Like, let's say the Wilpons are not involved in this. Let's say you were the owner. Let's say, okay, we're gonna give you Domingo Herman, uh, Davy Garcia, and Clint Frazier for Noah Syndergaard. Are you doing that trade? Yeah. Yep. I mean, are you are right? Yeah. I am. I mean, anybody else up here yep. coming and asking yep. that same question? If you're a Mets fan, 
you don't because what is Domingo Herman? And if anything, is a fourth starter. Yeah, that's fine. You're getting Garcia, right? Yeah, and you said Clint Frazier. Yeah, that's just it's just you're not getting that anywhere else. No, and the Yankees, I honestly think, would do that. They Clint Frazier's already banished from New York. They yeah. everybody knows that he's going to be traded. Again, Herman, he's Herman, and then you get your, you get Garcia who. Whether he becomes a frontline starter, I've seen some people report that maybe he becomes a relief pitcher. Like, he's still talent, right? Yeah. So that's maximizing it, right? That's not (laughs) filling the needs. That's not, oh, we need a center fielder next year. Let's let's get Marco. I mean, (laughs) what is that? That's why I don't get, like, just, God, just keep Juan Ligaris. I'll watch him strike at every other at bat and play some decent defense. Yeah, now, there's the one other thing I want to consider here. Is it possible the Mets think that they actually have a shot at the wild card here? See, I don't. So I don't. I think this comes down to opinion, right? Because yeah. you kind of hinted at it yeah. yesterday, where it was like they're under, right? Yeah. You're like they're under. Yeah. I hope they're not. You know, the indication. I hope they're not trying to win this yeah. year. So that's what worries me. Where it's like you better if you get an offer, accept the offer. Don't deny an offer. Like, what if Cashman offered that and they they met to like, Brody's like, you kidding me? Like, we're almost we're, we're almost in the second wild card. Like, do not yeah. like please no. I don't think that's the case because. It's just so not like realistic, yeah. and um, you don't really, you don't not sell for the second wild card. You know what I mean? Because remember Minnesota yeah. did it. Yeah, they kind of sold. Didn't, it wasn't that when they made the wild yeah. card. They sold guys. Yeah, made the second wild card and lost. I mean, you don't you don't buy for the second wild card, and I no. and, and but that you know I hope that's not the case here or the first wild card in my opinion. Re- yeah, I think that's fair unless you're playing like the American League. I think you kind of have to buy in the AL because yeah. the AL East is so packed with those two, the yeah. Yanks and the Sox. Um, but, yeah, no, the National League, no way. All right, that was definitely fun. We had a lot of fun to like figure out what exactly is going on here with the Mets, and we still don't know. What the hell's going on out here? We will not know probably until about 4 o'clock on Wednesday what exactly the Mets end up doing here. But up next, we're going to be joined by our baseball beat, uh, our th- the third member of it, Anthony Sorbellini. We're going to talk the Yankee half of the equation right now, right after this. <laughs> Play ball. All right, we are back with the baseball beat. Will Schneiderhand still hanging around in the studio, and we are joined for the first time a little bit by the other half of the baseball beat, Anthony Sorbellini. Anthony, welcome. How are you? Good, man. How are you? Good to be back. Good to be back. What have you been up to since the last time we heard from you? Oh, geez, I've been up to a lot. I've just pretty much been working this summer as the Associate Director of Photography for the Saugerties Stallions, just running around with that. So just been pre- just been keeping busy. Absolutely. And before we dive into it, while we're getting you on the line, we do have some breaking news. Will, what is happening on the trade front on that time when we were recording this podcast? So the Mets traded a starting pitcher, which right? One, which one? So Syndergaard or Wheeler? No, it was Jason Vargas to the Phillies. Uh, apparently, we sent, we sent some cash considerations, which is shocking. Uh, but don't don't let that cloud you know maybe cloud your judgment that we got a seemingly like decent prospect in return. Not the case. You get Austin Bozart. I'm just I assume that's how you say it. Light hitting catcher in Double A, 26 years old, batting 195. Anthony DeComo says a rival evaluator described him as a de- good defender without much offense to his game. So he will nothing f- happened. He will fit right in. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Anthony, are you shocked the Mets actually included money in the trade? I, I honestly, at this point, I'm kind of shocked with anything the Mets do, whether it be good or bad. <laughs> so let's. It's, I mean, I really have no idea what they're doing at some some point. It's. It's a head scratcher. <laughs> All right, so let's go back to the Mets for a second. Let's get your reaction to the Marcus Stroman trade. What did I talk about at the top of the show? What was your take on it? Uh, my take was why. If anything, we thought, like, you know, as fans and also, but I think baseball reporters as a whole were thinking that Stroman was going to go to a contender. You know, the Yankees at one point were heavily favored and a couple other teams in the, <clears throat> in the American League too, but the Mets are seemingly out of it. So I don't see why they traded for Stroman. Yeah, your, your thoughts are my thoughts exactly. But 
again, I did like I do like the move. Um, I just think if I were a fan of the Yankees, I you know, or a contending team, I'd be a little pissed off. Just it's like feels wasted, doesn't it? Like oh wow, oh yeah, here he is, this guy that could be helping any team contend, and he's gonna go pitch for the lowly Mets and limp through August and September. Exactly. I mean, he's a he's one of those young. I don't want to say up and coming, but he's you know he's not really well too too well known around the league. I mean, yeah, he's a all star caliber player stuff like that, but he's not like a Mike Trout caliber like pitcher. Oh, no, but yeah. you don't want to see him just kind of throw meaningless games in August. Definitely. I mean, you heard reports yesterday that he was pissing the clubhouse. He wasn't going to a contender right away, so that might not bode too well for his initial start with the Mets. No, no. Oh no! It's just uh, you go from Toronto, who's been struggling, to then now you go to now you go to the Mets, who have been equally struggling, if not more struggling, even more now with the organization that doesn't seem to know what the hell they're trying to do. Yeah, well, let's stop talking about the Mets. We brought you in here to talk about the Yankees, so let's go that direction first. Yankees pitching got beat up quite a bit last week. They gave up seven runs or more in seven straight games. It's the first time in franchise history, so. As the Yankee guy, how alarming is that development right now at the Yankee pitching, just completely just laying an egg the last week? I mean, it, it is alarming, but it's not too surprising for me because I knew going into the season that where the Yankees were struggling rotation, well, not, excuse me, team-wise, is in the starting rotation. So it doesn't. It didn't surprise me because we knew the off the offense has contributed. We knew that was going to happen. the The biggest concerns were how is that rotation going to hold up? And you know, we're hearing that uh, Severino's slowly but surely starting to come back. He may or may not be ready come September. Maybe even playoffs. Who knows? And then you know, CC the CC's he's just an old guy. You know, he's kind of like floating out the end, tail end of his career right now, just trying to trying to triumph his way to uh, to go out on top, even though I think that he should have been put into the bullpen. Tanaka's kind of – Tanaka's been his typical hit or miss, but come playoff time, Tanaka will, will flip around, stuff like that. I mean, Domingo Herman has been the absolute story for, for the Yankees' rotation this year because nobody saw that coming. But I definitely think that come deadline time, we, they still need to add another – Another decent middle of the rotation arm. Yeah, no doubt they need a. I even I you know the guy isn't out there, so I hope they don't just pay for a guy. But a yeah. guy would definitely still help this rotation substantially. Yeah, I think Stroman before he even though we were hearing that the Yankees weren't too too all in on Stroman, he was the guy. He I think he was the best available. I mean we're hearing things about Trevor. Uh, Trevor Bauer, but I don't think the Indians are going to give Bauer to the Yankees. No, yeah. Probably not. Considering they're in the playoffs, they might have to face him again down the line. Exactly. They're not going to do that. If anything, if they were ship, if they were to ship Bauer, it would be going to an NL contender, but I don't even see that happening. No, I mean, they're only two games out of first place at this point today, so why would you do that? Exactly. No, I keep hearing there, I keep seeing things on like Bleacher Report, MLB, like, yeah, the the Indians could still be in the market to shop Bauer. I'm like, that's, that makes absolutely no sense. But circling back to the Yankees, I think what they're going to end up doing is probably something similar, if not the exact same thing of what they did last year when they traded for for J.A. Happ and um, uh, I, know I had his name, but Lance Lynn. I lost it. Yes, Lance Lynn. They're going to get, you know, Middle of the rotation, bottom of the rotation, guys. Just kind of just fill in the pieces and then see if that can hold. Yeah, for sure. Because one thing you got to remember, too, with the Yankees, and people don't realize this, that they've been wearing their bullpen out so much with over the stretch with these openers and using Luis Cortez, yeah. Nestor Cortez and Luis Sessa to fill these games. That They have a stretch going up where they play 19 games in 17 days, and CeCe's going back to yeah. the injury list. So they're going to need arms to get through that stretch. So somebody like that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, and it just it – is- also adds to my one to my one big gripe that I have with Boone, because Boone knows he has one of the best bullpens, if not the best bullpen in all of baseball. But he loves, and I've been saying this, I think, ever since we started the baseball bee and everything, that he loves to go to his bullpen early and often, and it shows. Because now you're coming down to the tail end the last month of the season, and look, this is, what hap- this is what's happening. Yeah, it's a big problem. Next thing I want to talk about the Yankees is that the injuries are starting to come back again because, like I said, CC's going on the injury list. 
Gary Sanchez mm-hmm. landed there. Brett Gardner landed there. Will, I'll go to you first. So, so how many guys are on the injury list? Should we start be worrying about the injuries again with the Yankees? Yeah, <clears throat> you know, I, I feel like I'm not. I wouldn't. I, as a fan, maybe, right, I get, like, with Sanchez, because he's, like, you know, he's a big impact player, but I really wouldn't worry too much about the other two landing on. Um, <coughs> sorry. And you're going to get, um, you're getting Severino's, Batanzas, and, like, they're working their way back. So I wouldn't be panicking. Um, they got that big lead, right? Even with the Red Sox kind of beating them up this weekend, I think the Yankees are still 10 up. So you have time to get healthy, time mm-hmm. to get guys back, time to work them in, time to figure out what you have. Um, so I wouldn't be too concerned over it. Yeah, just echoing off what Will said. I mean, exactly. I, from a fan perspective, yes, you're upset it's happening because you're go, you're buying tickets to see these guys. You want to see Gary Sanchez, stuff like that. But in terms of just out there day to day, game to game, it's the Yankees have such a I, I believe they have such a deep system right now that it's just kind of plug and play, and it's working out more than anyone. Like it's working out better than anyone could have expected up until this point. Yeah, I mean they've they weathered their injuries fine. They're still in first place at a bay week. They're still seven up on the Red Sox, eight in the nine up on the Red Sox, eight in the ten the lost columns. So they have nothing to worry about there. And right now, yeah. the biggest thing for them is just filling their needs by the deadline. So what I'm gonna go with each of you. I'll go with Anthony first. Is the rotation the biggest need? You see something else as a bigger problem? No, I'm definitely the, the rotation is the absolute biggest need. It was the biggest need heading into the season, and it's still the biggest need now come come deadline time. I don't know if there's one named guy that the Yankees should go and get, but they need to grab somebody. Yeah, I would, it, it's it's the rotation. I, the lineup is absolutely fine. Um, the bullpen, yeah, they could use another arm out there, but you do. We've talked about it. You just said it. This whole podcast basically harped on it that. Is a starting pitcher. They need to go find a starting pitcher who can give them five to six in the postseason and just mm-hmm. help even out that rotation. And it's just so obvious, and we've kind of seen it where the Yankees have not hit well on the pitchers they've traded for. Paxton has flopped so far. Gray was a flop, as we all know. Um, yeah. Jay Happ bringing him back is not. And also, there is room for these guys to improve. Don't get me wrong; like they could go have a great August, September, go run right through the playoffs. But that's yeah, a, so. that's a variable you don't really want to just hope can happen. So I think they need to go get a guy, meet you know, level that whole rotation out, and feel a lot better about yourselves going to the postseason. Right. Yeah. My counter to you guys is I think the bullpen I think is going to be the bigger need just because. Look at what's out there for the rotation. There's not that one guy you can put out there and say, oh, I have to start him in game seven of the playoffs right now. Yeah. That guy's not there because <laughs> the Mets not trading with you is by the fact that they would be good trade partners. Bumgarner is not out there. Bauer's not getting traded here. So, like, maybe you go the other way and say, you know what, I'm going to get a reliever, a big shutdown reliever to go help out the overworked guys like Adovino, Brit- Britton, and Chapman. And with that, that and Batances eventually coming back should – Shorten the games for the Yankees. Soon, you know, maybe the opener of the strategy in the playoffs. We have Chad Green start, Severino goes a couple innings, and then you have the relievers close it out for you one like once or twice around. Yeah, I, I definitely see like your point where you're coming at Mike in terms of playoffs, but especially in terms of playoffs, it's such a bullpen heavy game. They feel because as soon as in playoff time, anytime there's like an uh, ounce of struggle in your starter, it could be like the second or the third inning. They they go to the bullpen immediately. There's still there's still a, a great need for a good starting rotation guy. Yeah, I agree with that. So next question, now we brought that up there. Anthony, who do you think they should target? Who would be the one guy you say, this is who I have to get back? Well, it was Stroman. <laughs> now that he's off the table. Um, I don't know. If there's that one guy who I know, I think there's not one name that's popping off on the top of my head. I guess if you want to say maybe a Zach Wheeler type of person, maybe him. I don't know how that would go well, though. Um, we're hearing Bumgarner is pretty much going to stay put. I I think what they're going to end up doing is just kind of like a plug-and-play type of, type of rotation guy. They're going to get like a Lance Lynn or something like that, a middle rotation guy who's just going to go in there, try to be a workhorse, just eat innings for them. Any big targets for you, Will? Yeah, I, you know, it's funny. I said starting pitching was a big thing they needed, but, like, I think if you go, you know, well, okay, I'll say it. starting pitching-wise, 
I think if you're really realistically targeting someone like a, a Mark Miner or Mike Miner would be um, one guy to go get, just a veteran pitcher, uh, knows how to pitch. I'm sure he could, you can hand him the ball in like game three or something, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. But I do like if you're going for the pen for like a, a pen arm, kind of like those mid-level guys like an Alex Colomay. Um, you know, I know people are toying around with Cleveland and Bauer. Like, why don't you go say, hey, what do you want for Brad Hand? I know it's probably more, probably less likely to part with him. But um, those are the type of guys, again, I feel like that's an imp- – like, if you're not getting an impact starter, you got to get an impact reliever. And I feel like a hand level, that's like an impact guy, maybe a Kirby Yates. I don't know if you want to buy into that. Um, but, yeah, I think that's what – either way, like – you're just you're kind of stuck with middling pitchers, it seems like, and the the, the top mm-hmm. tier guys are kind of off the market already. Yeah, yeah. I also think Shane Green's a guy to watch here. Also, yeah, the Tigers yeah. will move him for the right price. I think that's the guy I can see the Yankees saying, you know, we'll bring him back to our bullpen and have him pitch like the seventh inning for us. And I think that would be another move I could see them targeting. Definitely. Yeah, no, I can see that too. All right, let's look at another guy who could be a trade chip. Then we heard Davey Garcia's name plenty. We've heard prospects plenty. One guy I'm also curious about, Clint Frazier, who obviously the Yankees bypassed him with his latest rise They brought Mike Talkman back up. They brought Cameron Maven back up. He's clearly persona non grata within that organization. So I'll go to you first, Will. Do you think that he, Clint Frazier is a guy who will get moved by July 31st? Absolutely. There's, there's no, the only reason he is down there is, yes, he didn't behave properly with the media that one time but it's because they 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 want him gone they they don't want him or granted maybe they i shouldn't say that they just they would rather trade him in a package uh for a pitcher i don't again i guess it comes down to what who you're you are trading him for but i do think any substantially you know one b two level starter it is going to be him that goes the other way yeah how about you yeah i i agree with that 100% as much I, I love Clint Frazier I've been you know on his bandwagon ever since he got sent down that that second time I mean he's up down up down up down the kid just wants to play and the kid can just flat out play yeah he's got defensive issues and things like that but he's still young enough to where you can try to kind of groom that stuff out to where he's gonna help he's gonna help a core young of uh, a core of young guys come up Maybe somewhere along like a team, like a team like the Phillies, Marlins, something like that. A young team, even or honestly, even the Padres, I could see him going to. I don't know what who the Yankees would trade for in terms of the Padres or teams like that, but the Yankees are—he's their main trade piece to move. Yeah, he is. And before we wrap up, I have some more breaking news from the Twitterverse in terms of the Met Vargas stuff. So. Number one, a couple from John Heyman on Twitter. Where are you going to go with this? Number, number one, the Mets are going to save $2 million in that Vargas trade, so they do have something interesting going on there. That's number one. <laughs> N- number two, yeah, yeah, another from John Heyman. Austin Bosar played at Penn, same as Bradley Wilpon, Jeff's son. So Mets may have had some inside info on him. So, again, the Wilpon connection uh, flourishing for the Mets right now with his trade offer there. Never gets old. So that's number two. Anthony, any reaction to either of those? I guess good for saving two million. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, again, Jeff Wilpon, big role in the organization. He must have had some inside scouting reports there for Brody in the front office. Yeah, get real. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Have it. It's just, I just keep circling back to I, I, I want to try to understand what the Mets are doing, but I have absolutely no answer. I have no idea. I'm not even in like the same same universe of what the Mets are thinking or doing right now. And this other piece of breaking news, I'm going to play the clip again. This may not be good for you Yankee fans. This is from ESPN's Buster Only. Some rival evaluators believe that the Mets are going to trade closer Edwin Diaz before the July 31st deadline, and the Red Sox are viewed as the suitors most invested in the chase. Wow. So Diaz could be going to Boston if they can find a match with the Mets. And I've heard there's been some traction with that. There was a third baseman prospect I think they were talking about, right? Earlier. This is earlier today. Yeah. And also, do not forget, the Mets have a couple people in their front office who used to be with the Red Sox and Allard Bear and Jared Banner. So they know that farm system better than pretty much anybody. So, Anthony, yeah. would you be concerned if the Red Sox got Edwin Diaz? Oh, I mean, that's just another bullpen arm for them. I mean, the Red Sox are getting hot right now. We, I mean, we, saw, we just saw in that last series, Red Sox took three out of four. I mean... 
The Red Sox are getting heated up. They had the bullpen issues earlier, but now there's the bats are starting to click. Everything's starting to click. I mean, yeah, they struggled for the majority of this season, but they're still the reigning World Series champion. So anything they do, they're finding the problems that they have, whether it be in their rotation, their lineup, or their bullpen, and they're they're adjusting that need. Yeah, so of course I'm kind of, of course I'm nervous about it. Yeah, and you got to feel like if he goes there, he might get right, and they have him for three more years, the Red Sox. So that would be yeah. something that would be like, uh-oh, especially if you get him yeah, in the wild card round. It's like an, a little bit of an upgraded Kimbrel from last year. Yeah, that might not be good. No, not at all. It's just it, – it, it, it could definitely – I think the Yankees, I don't want to sound like the homer, but the Yankees are pretty much like the clear favorite to win the World Series or at least get to the World Series for the AL side. But the Red Sox are still, I think a lot of people are still sleeping on the Red Sox, even though like they won 107 games last year, won the World Series, everything like that. Like This team still isn't, they're not going to just go down. And we saw that with this past series. Good stuff, and, and and thanks again for coming on today. You talk with us on the baseball beat about the Yankees. Before I let you go, do everybody know how to follow you on social media? Some of the stuff you're up to. Uh, yeah, if you're interested in my photography stuff like that, just head over to the Instagram. I'm actively on that, just posting a bunch of sports pictures, stuff like that. Uh, at Sorbellini Photos, S O R B E L L I N I P H O T O S, and then just Twitter for pretty much anything. Just want to connect or whatever, see from stuff I'm writing, publishing, stuff like that. It's at Ant Sorbellini. All right, Ant, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Mm, thank you. All right, that was this week's edition of the Baseball Beat. Will's going to stick around. We're going to talk to baseball insider and Bronx to Bushville writer Dan Federico about more trade deadline stuff right after this. 3-1. Oh, my! High fly ball left field. Mookie bets. Mookie does it again for the third time in three tonight well this is an MVP bow here at Fenway what can you say two fastballs and now a cutter and he launches to all of them that's probably the worst cutter that Paxton has thrown all night all right, we are back on the Just End the Suffering podcast. Will Schneiderhand is still here with us. We are talking baseball. Uh, as Cole has heard, uh, Mookie Betts homering three times against the Yankees on Thursday. The Red Sox won three out of four in that series. I'm going to be joined right now. We're talking trade deadline with somebody we haven't had on in a while. We talked to him last trade deadline, so it's fitting to have back from Bronx to Bushville. Now verified on Twitter, Dan Federico. Dan, welcome. <laughs> how are you? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. Not, I'm very glad you came back. And obviously, we talked at the top of the show, Will I, about this Marcus Stroman trade. So I want to get your initial reaction. What was your thoughts when you first heard this trade was made with the Mets and the Blue Jays? I mean, you know, as kind of I see with everybody, it was definitely a shock. I mean, the Mets, you know, there are rumors that they were going to be buyers at the deadline. You know, Brody Van Wagenen has been saying, you know, since before the season started that they were going to be players. They, you know, they wanted to push for a playoff spot. You know, with that second wild card, it's, you know, anything could happen. So with that being said, I mean, honestly, I'm actually a fan of the deal for the Mets. I mean, he's another guy who's going to come in, you know, make the rotation that more steady, gives them a chance to move a cinder guard or a wheeler and recoup some of those assets that they lost and uh, not lose too much because, you know, Stroman is a very good starter. I feel like he's somebody who will take New York kindly, especially because he's from this, uh, the state, so I think he's going to be someone who will elevate his game playing in New York. So again, I think I, I think it was a good move. It's going to be interesting to see how it goes, you know, as the season progresses. But all in all, I think it was a good move for the Mets. Yeah. Uh, so why do you why do you think the Yankees were unable to were unable to top the Mets bid for him? Because you know, from what it sounds like, you know, the Mets don't have a farm system, right? That's what we've been preaching all all season, and the Mets or the Yankees have one, so. How you know? How did this happen? How were the Yankees unable to match it? Yeah, you know it's interesting because you hear the, that the Blue Jays got two top ten prospects for for Stroman, and they did. I mean, Anthony Kay and the other pitcher—they're both very good players. I, I heard earlier this year that Kay was kind of pushing to get a spot in the rotation as early as this season. So you know, he's somebody who could be a player for the Blue Jays. I really think the Yankees could have topped it if they wanted to, even without including Davy Garcia or even somebody like a Clint Frazier or something like that. 
So, so when I hear those things, it really comes down to, I think the Yankees just weren't as interested as a lot of fans and some pupils really wanted them to be. I mean, like I said, they, they definitely could have topped the offer. Um, the Mets did give up good players, but the Yankees have better pitchers in their system, although they are younger. You know, like I said, somebody like Kay is somebody who could help as early as this year, and the Yankees don't have that type of pitcher that's ready to go right away. So, well, besides Debbie Garcia, who it seems like they don't want to give up. So I think it just comes down to they weren't willing to, to give up anybody of note and maybe didn't even want to get him in general, So, which is interesting to me, but that's what my guess is from this whole situation. Yeah, you mentioned Davey Garcia, who has been a hot name this year in all the trade talks in the Futures game this year. I feel like he and Esteban Floreal, the two guys I hear the most in terms of Yankee trades. What can you tell me about those guys and what the Yankees have in potentially those two? So I spoke with a scout who saw both Floreal and Garcia up close and personal. Now, Floreal, he's been somebody who he's been preaching year after year for the past couple of years now that he is a legitimate five-tool prospect. Um, he, he could be, if he was on the Yankees right now, he would be the best outfielder they have. That's including Aaron Judge, even Aaron Hicks. He'd be better than them, according to the scout I spoke with. Um, obviously, his tools haven't fully translated because you can see he's still struggling at the plate, but, but the tools are still there. So he's somebody who I'm not surprised they, they're still holding on to and want to see mature. Now, somebody like Davey Garcia, um, the same scout saw him both in single A and double A this season, and he really thought that the Yankees were propping him up as somebody more than he actually is. They, he, he had told me that he's not the savior that the organization is making him out to be and that he's somebody who he could see as a sell-high candidate where the Yankees really prop him up and then you know send him on the trade market, kind of similar to what they did with Justice Sheffield last year in the offseason. But then again, at the same time, I mean, all indications are they want to hang on to him. So I don't know if they're just leveraging for a better pitcher or what the deal is with the trade market. But right now, it seems like he's somebody who's going to be off limits. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> to follow up on the, on the Garcia talk, it doesn't it, it does feel like that, doesn't it? Where it's like typical kind of a Yankee way where, you know, they keep the guys they want and they prop up these Jesus Monteros. You kind of mentioned with Sheffield, Garcia. Do you think it's kind of like buyer beware with these clubs where like maybe, you know, the maybe Garcia was on the table for some of these talks and some teams are like, you know what? our scouts say something else, let's back off. Do you think that's affecting this? Or are the Yankees just saying, no, go, whatever Garcia's name is said, we're hanging up the phone? You know what? I'm, I'm honestly torn on this because I could see it as other teams seeing that, like we said, Justice Sheffield last year, was, he was the, the biggest Yankee pitching prospect in God knows how long. Yep. And look how he's turned out this year with the Mariners. I mean, he's not pitching well. And this happens a lot with these trades the Yankees do. They're very good at propping up their players. They're very good at touting how well they are in their system, and a lot of times they just don't turn out to be what they're proclaimed to be. So, you know, I, I could see it being a little bit of both. Maybe they think that Garcia isn't worth giving up for a Stroman, but maybe somebody like Trevor Bauer or, I mean, I know it's kind of something that won't happen, but, you know, maybe a no Syndergaard, something in that elsewhere, a legitimate number one. So I, I, I could see it being either way. Um, I, I kind of wish I had an answer, but I, I'm really on the fence between what it could be with Davey Garcia. Yeah, it's very interesting. And also, we saw over the weekend, actually the last week with the Yankees, that they do need some pitching badly because they had one of the worst pitching weeks in franchise history. I know these guys are not that bad, but like, what are you hearing they want to try and do to boost their pitching staff for the stretch run? I'm thinking, you know, you, 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 again, we hear the big names. I do, you know, d despite what you're hearing on both sides, I just the, the Mets and Yankees just don't seem to want to trade at all for whatever reason. So I would cancel Syndergaard out. Bauer's an interesting one. I, I think he would be a fantastic fit with the Yankees, despite you know what you hear about him in the media and, and his transgressions um, and interviews and all that stuff. I know there are some question marks there, but I think he's that big game pitcher that the Yankees could use. But in the end, I could really see Cashman kind of settling for somebody like a Robbie Ray or a Mike Miner or even maybe circling back around to the Lance Lynn that he, you know, he brought in a couple years ago. Um, I could definitely see him kind of going for that where he says, listen, the, our starting staff isn't as bad as we've been. You know, They've just been performing poorly. We have Severino coming back. Batances is on his way back. So I could kind of see Cashman 
circling back to these guys who could kind of be in the starter or reliever role, you know, like a, a Robbie Ray or a Lance Lynn, kind of use them as, as backup and, and hope for the best when it comes to the starting rotation and with the injuries, like I said, with Severino and Batanzas coming back. Yeah, so do you think maybe Cashman's going to say, you know, <clears throat> none of these starters are, are worth it, you know, maybe they just make us marginally better, and he circles back to just kind of doing what he did last year where he's like, let's just shorten this game from the back. So do you think he's going to go look for some more relievers? Because, you know, you kind of see it with Ottavino, with Britain. These guys have done really, really well, but, I mean, they've been worked re- uh, at a heavy rate at the same time. So, you know, maybe it's better off, Cashman's saying, maybe it's better off to go back get some better arms in the bullpen and deal with the starters that way. Yeah, I could definitely see that. I, I've heard that they're they're interested in relievers as well. Um, like you said, the Adovinos, the Britons, even Chapman, you know, they're they're being used a lot because of how the starting rotation has been performing. And they're going to need some reinforcements there, whether that's in the system or by trade. I mean, I, when I spoke with that same scout to kind of go back to Davey Garcia, he said there's a chance he could do a little something out of the bullpen this year. So, you know, maybe that could be an option. There's there's some guys in the in the minors like JP Fireisen. He's somebody who is on the up in AAA who could be an option in the bullpen. Um and there are rumors I've heard as well as it's starting to be speculated on Twitter that the Yankees are kind of going back to Shane Green, who, you know, was in the trade for Didi Gregorius. He's somebody who could be an option. Um Alex Colome was another guy who they've had interest in um as early as a couple months ago. So, you know, th- there's a lot of avenues they could go down. I would not rule out at all them adding a reliever. I think that's certainly on the table. And honestly, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they bring in one or even two relievers. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense to the Yankees. Let's go to the Mets for a second because I saw you you retweeted this morning your report back in November about how the Mets were talking to the Padres about Manuel Margot and Austin Hedges and Noah Syndergaard talks because Buster only said yesterday something similar to this. So have you heard even what? Have you heard anything about what the Mets are trying to do here, what they're thinking about? Now they've gotten Stroman, and then they probably could flip a pitcher after that. Yeah, from all indications, what I've heard, it seems like they're still pushing for the Cindergard trade only because it maximizes what they get back. Now, from all reports, I, I haven't heard this firsthand, but it doesn't seem like they want to put in some of these top guys like Mackenzie Gore or anybody like that, which is understandable. But, you know, Manuel Margot, Austin Hedges, they're, they're players you could plug into your starting lineup right away. They'll make the Mets better despite, you know, you know Austin Hedges, and somebody who's not having a great season at the plate. But he's a great catcher. He's somebody who could do a lot of things behind the plate. He could stabilize that position, and he's still on the younger side. So it kind of you know, gives you an insurance for Wilson Ramos, and you know, maybe you could use him as well as a, as a trade candidate. And again, Margot kind of could solidify a, a position in the outfield. They're two young players. You know, you, when you think about trading Syndergaard, you, you'd want you know, that big prospect haul, let's say, that the Yankees got for Andrew Miller and Aroldis Chapman. Now, a team like the Padres, they're not as close as, let's say, the Cubs and Indians were when they made those trades, and they're willing to give up you know, the farm for these players. So it's kind of hard to envision them giving up a massive package. But, you know, if, if they're going to trade Syndergaard, they're going to get quality players back. Whether they hit on that trade or not is, you know, is, is to be seen. But I, I would guess if, if I were to you know, make a prediction, I would say Syndergaard's going to be the one that gets traded. Yeah, so do you have, you know, we're talking about the starters, Syndergaard, Braun Strowman, but there's been a lot of talk about Edwin Diaz as well, and I've kind of, it feels like that market's heated up a little bit. Uh, am I right in that assumption? Is there a little movement with Edwin Diaz, or is it just all talk? No, Edwin Diaz, he's getting some traction. The Red Sox are interested. Um, the Braves have been reported as interested. Um, he's still a valuable player. I mean, he's having a down year, we know that, but he's still very young. He's getting a lot of strikeouts. So, you know, it could be a change of scenery thing with him. I think he could still command a very good trade package for the Mets. Um, I reported this a few weeks ago. They're listening to everybody except Pete Alonso, Jeff McNeil. Uh, I know Ahmed Rosario was in that, in that scenario as well as, obviously, Jacob DeGrom. So I'm not surprised to hear that these guys are all on the table. And uh, like I said before, I think Edwin Diaz could get back a lot of uh, young strong talent for the Mets and you know it really hasn't worked out I think it's a good time even though you know some people may think you know you're selling low on him I don't think that's the case I still think he could he could bring back a really solid package for the Mets and help replenish that farm system and players that they lost in the Stroman trade 
Yeah, it's also funny. Bring, going back to a point you mentioned before about the Mets and the Yankees not doing deals because it's funny because both sides have said we're willing to do trades and they would be logical trade partners because the Mets have starting pitching with the Yankees desperately need or even Edwin Diaz would help them out immensely. So where do you think this holdup is in terms of the two teams not making a deal? I think it's more the Met end or more the Yankee end? You know, all indications I, I would guess would be on the Mets end. I mean, you, you see these reports. I know Mark Rigg of The Athletic, he tweeted out, um, last week, I believe, said that the, the Mets didn't want to trade Syndergaard to the Yankees or Astros because they thought they would get more out of him than the Mets did. And, you know, you, you see a lot of times, I, I know for a fact the Yankees inquired about Lucas Duda and they inquired about Jay Bruce a couple of years ago and they got rebuffed both times. So, you know, you, you want to assume, I, I don't want to make these assumptions, but I, I would assume it's the Mets. I mean, it just, it seems you know, likely on their side, they don't want to see one of their players become, you know, the next David Cohn or the next Dallas Strawberry where they go across town and just win championships and be key contributors on, on a Yankees team. Now, like you said, I think these two teams match up perfectly. I, the Yankees need the pitching. They, you know, if you get a Clint Frazier, even a Miguel Andahar, someone like that, I mean, that, that would be tremendous for the Mets to get. I mean, the Yankees have a lot of, a lot of farm system options that could really help bolster the Mets team. And I think they'd be fantastic trade partners, but there's just a hiccup there. And and my guess, no inside info, I just all sides point to being on the Mets, Mets side of things. Yeah, doesn't that kind of seem like a little ridiculous on the Mets end where we're talking about the Padres here with Margot and Hedges, but then when you we talk about the Yankees, it's like an Andujar or a Frazier, where obviously the latter two players are substantially – better I could think that's fair to say than Hedges and Margot um I mean at what point do you think like the Mets are just shooting themselves in the foot I mean doesn't this seem a little ridiculous where it's like yes of course I don't want to as a Mets fan I wouldn't want to see Syndergaard hosting the or lifting the commissioner's trophy with the Yankees but at the end of the day if the return is there why not just do it <laughs> that's the thing I mean I mean the, the point is valid I, I get you know, the Mets don't want to see Syndergaard pitching Game 7 in Yankee Stadium in pinstripes and him pitching a complete game. You know, obviously, best-case scenario, but something like that. Yeah. It's understandable, and you don't want to see that. But in this, at the same time, getting a Clint Frazier who has proven he could hit at the Major League level, getting a Miguel Andujar who, again, has proven he could hit at the Major League level, like these guys could come in and be cornerstone talents and join Pete Alonso and Jeff McNeil and Ahmed Rosario and Michael Cafford, like, They'd fit in perfectly with these guys. I mean, the Mets positionally aren't that far off from being a very good young team. I mean, they they got a couple holes, but a trade like that with the Yankees, think is realistically they could command both Clint Frazier and Miguel Andahar in a trade like that. You know, maybe you could expand it. The Yankees could get another piece, what have you. But you you could fill major league needs with this trade working with the Yankees. It's something that I, I think is foolish, especially because you see some of these reports where the Mets are willing to work with the Braves or the Phillies, and why, why would you help you know, your divisional rivals instead of you know, helping somebody who just plays across town and you share the back page of a newspaper with? So it's interesting. I think, like I said before, they, they're perfect trade partners. I think it would be beneficial for both sides, but it just doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen. Yeah, it definitely doesn't seem like that will happen. And the Yankees will link to one other big starter in a lot of trade reports is Trevor Bauer. I mean, he had the incident yesterday where he gets pissed off and throws the ball to the center field fence when the Indians go take him out. So do you think they would actually move him? Because I, I know some of the Yankees would be all over if he was actually on the market. Yeah, I think somebody like Trevor Bauer, I mean, you see the Indians, they're, they're in the thick of things. Um, they, they, they're going to be fighting for a playoff uh, spot. And once you get into the playoffs, you know I think it happened. They've had success in recent years, so I, it's interesting to see, but at the same time, they have a deep pitching staff. They have some holes on offense. Um, I, I think somebody could get Trevor Bauer if you're willing to to part with Major League pieces to give back to the Indians. Now, would they trade Trevor Bauer to, let's say, the Yankees and have to possibly face them in the playoffs and go against Bauer? That's where I get questionable um, what the, the, the Indians are doing. I think he, he's definitely available. I'd say he's definitely available, but I could totally see him going to a National League team instead of a team that the Indians could possibly face uh, in the playoffs. But, again, they match up well with the Yankees. Someone like Clint Frazier, obviously the Indians gave up on him. He was a draft pick of theirs. He was the fifth overall pick 
a few years ago from them. So, you know, you wonder if they want him back, if they take him back. They do have holes in the outfield. So I think he would be a good leading point for this trade. And obviously the Yankees would have to give up more. I think it just comes down to whether the Indians want to trade with an American League team. And that's something I'm not sure about. Yeah, so yeah, what are what are some other interesting things, you know, other maybe leads you have on what's going on with some of these teams leading up to the deadline? Like, I, you know, I said before, I think the Yankees are in it with Robbie Ray. He kind of fits that mold where he has the intangibles, he has good stuff, but he hasn't really unleashed everything with the Diamondbacks, and that's kind of someone in like the Nathan Eovaldi mold or the Sonny Gray mold where the Yankees feel like they could get more out of him. They like his natural stuff, but they think they could they, they could unleash some more potential. So I could see him really being an option. Um, someone like Mike Miner is another one who is his track record isn't as long, but he's somebody who could kind of come in and settle things the way he's pitching with the Rangers. Um, I, I see those two guys as, as options that the Yankees could either – you know, even go after both of them. So I think those two guys are some some people to watch. Um, for the bullpen, again, I mentioned Shane Green. I mentioned Alex Colome. Those are two guys who I've heard linked. Um, at what level the Yankees like them, I don't know, but I know they've had interest in them in the past. So I'd say I, w- I-, I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees go for the smaller, um, not as uh, highly touted pitchers that could kind of, you know, help supplant the guys that they have now, but not be full-time replacements at the same time. All right, last question from us here. So let's make a prediction here just in terms of who you think the Yankees will get, who you think, who you think, who you think the Mets send out. I'm not asking for returns in either way. Just like who do you think the Yankees end up with? Who do you think the Mets end up shipping out from their pitchers? So it's interesting, but I'm going to go with for – for the Yankees, I'm going to say they're going to go Robbie Ray and Lance Lynn. I think both of them – aren't going to inspire Yankees fans. A lot of people don't think they're going to, you know, make a difference between a championship and that definitely will be something that everyone should keep close an eye on. But, you know, like I said, Robbie Ray, again, has the, has the kind of stuff that the Yankees like, you know, he throws a lot of strikes. I know his walks are high. He gives up home runs, but he still kind of fits that mold. He's young. He's under control. So I can see him being another one of those Cashman pet projects. Um, Lance Lynn's having a tremendous year with the Rangers. He's having a, you know, resurgence. And he could kind of pitch out of the bullpen, be a spot starter. Kind of the same role he was in with the Yankees when he was previously with the team. Um, again, I know they're not inspiring pieces that, um, you know, you want to hear the Yankees get Bauer or Syndergaard or even somebody like Zach Granke. But I just think that's the way they're going to go. And for the Mets, I could see I, – I, I get the sense that it's going to be Syndergaard. I think they're going to lock up Zach Wheeler and keep him in the fold and then maybe let go of somebody like – and Edwin Diaz, or see somebody like, you know, what Conforto could get back and, and see, you know, what they could do with him. I, I wouldn't completely say he's untouchable either. So I think those are some guys you should look at in terms of as the trade deadline gets close, if they could get young players in return and kind of replenish their farm system, they'd be willing to part with. All right, that was good stuff from Dan Federico again. Dan, how can people follow you on Twitter and find out some of the other stuff you're up to? All right, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan J Federico, um, and I write on Rocks to Bushville. That's where I publish my Yankee stuff. I write some Mets stuff as well, kind of just keep the pulse of uh, New York baseball and see what's going on there. So you can just follow me there, and uh, just want to appreciate and thank you guys for bringing me back again. No problem. And once again, Dan is verified on Twitter, folks, so he knows what he's talking about. Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right, Dan. Thanks. All right, have a good one, guys. All right, there you have it. That was Dan Federico on the trade deadline rumors. Will, what was your big takeaway from what he had to say? Uh, you know, I feel that like the Yankees stuff was kind of in line with what, what we have been hearing. Lance Lynn's kind of a bit of a name I didn't think about. Yeah. But the Mets takeaways, I just think are stuff that's completely reasonable, like the fact that maybe you should dangle a Conforto around and stuff. Like, I I mean, I don't know. Who knows about after the Stroman trade, what they're going to do. But realistically, I think that it is. It's just kind of like open for business and give blow us away with your best offer. It's really what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the Robbie Ray thing, I buy with the Yankees. I've heard that one before. Lynn was definitely interesting. And I do think the interesting thing with the Mets is that he feels like Syndergaard is the one who's going to go, which is not the indication that we've been getting from some of these other guys like Andy Martino of late. Uh, definitely, yeah, definitely not. And I, I actually – but I do believe with his – or I do um, – Agree with his point that if you're going to maximize, if you want to maximize your return, he's obviously the one you do, you trade. But at the same time, 
I I don't the re, the return with the Padres. I just think it wouldn't you wouldn't be worth it. I wouldn't move him for Margot as a centerpiece or even even Hedges. But that's my opinion. Yeah, it'll be an interesting few days, say the least. It will for sure. Will, thanks again for coming on, spending all this time on the podcast. I really yep. appreciate it. Before I let you go, you know everybody know how to follow you on Twitter. Yep. Uh, so at Will Schneiderhan S C H N E I D E R H one on Twitter. And are you up to any fun stuff for fan side? Uh, waiting for the NFL stuff to come out. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for NFL season, so yeah. All right, Will, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Yep, thanks all for having me on. Love it. All right, that was Will Schneiderhan on all of these baseball segments today. A lot of fun. Up next, this week's two-minute drill, where we are going to review Peyton's places on ESPN Plus in the Phil Film Review right after this. You got something to say to me? Yeah, I got something to say to you. Thanks for coming on my show. There we go. Wow. I'm doing good. You're a great yeah, coach, Jay. You're like well, Don you. Shula. Will you hit me with a baseball bat? Nah. Tell us about Peyton's places. <laughs> it's really the places that have made the NFL what it is today. The people that have been a part of those places. I went to those places and trying to tell the story of how the NFL was started, how it has grown through the years, and how it got to the point of uh, its incredible popularity and success today. All right, we are back this week's two-minute drill. You guys heard some of the trailer for the new ESPN Plus show, Peyton's Places. It's a 30-episode web series where Peyton Manning, the former great NFL quarterback, travels the country to visit the places to help make the NFL what it is today. I got to check out the pilot episode, which is up on ESPN now. The first four episodes of the series, in fact, are online for you to check out. And I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I mean, you get to see a lot of Peyton Manning's humor, which is always great. I mean, the whole show starts with a corny as hell sequence where Peyton Manning is sitting on his dad's stoop. And Archie goes, you know, Peyton, you really got to get a job. And then we have the whole riff about Peyton's like, well, I sell insurance. And then he basically goes off, starts driving off to visit these places to learn more about the history of the NFL, which is turning 100 years old in case you have not heard this year. So his first stop, he goes to Burbank to Jay Leno's car factory where he has all of the vintage cars. And he goes to look at a Hupmobile. And you never heard of a Hupmobile? It's a vintage car. And it's, as Peyton Manning would say, are they all this crappy? First of all, that was hilarious. And he says that I was just dying laughing when Peyton Manning said are all the Hotmobiles is crappy. So then we get our history lesson, our first one of the episode, about the NFL was founded in a Hotmobile showroom in Canton, Ohio, with the original NFL owners sitting on the boards of one of the cars, drinking Prohibition-era beer. That is awesome. Like, that's something I did not know, and that's so much fun. That's a fun fact for trivia night next time you're out at a bar somewhere. Then, obviously, we have our Peyton comedy bit again, where when I was teaching to drive the Hupmobile, how to drive stick, doesn't go very well. We get a little comedian in cars getting coffee-esque bit of Leno and Peyton driving the Hupmobile down the streets of Burbank. I thought that was hysterical. It's definitely a fun part to check out. Then we get the part that I, as a Jet fan, appreciated, a segment with Joe Namath, where Peyton goes to Namath's home and visits him. And it's a fun conversation between Manning and Namath who talks to Peyton about Super Bowl three, the infamous guarantee, and a lot of interesting stuff didn't come out of there, including Namath citing out loud that he felt the Colts were overconfident in that game. Of course, that's the most famous upset in NFL history. Sorry, Super Bowl forty two Giants. That still is the torchbearer there for most famous upset. And I absolutely love this show. Peyton Manning's sense of humor is great. He brings all the funny timing of the lines and he also just brings that energy that he loves football. He loves the history of football. And that comes through in this show. And the other thing is that this is a project they partner with NFL Films. A lot of great archival footage in the show. Literally, there were clips on there from George Hallis and from Namath I'd never heard before. And they put them in this series, which I think is going to be a lot of fun to see as it goes on. These episodes, they are not super long. There are four out on ESPN right now. They range from about 16 minutes to 23 minutes. So not a lot of time you're going to have to spend watching these episodes. After that, it's going to come out on Fridays until the Super Bowl. I think you definitely check this out. I give it an A in the ESPN Plus edition of the Fellow Film Review. And check them out. You will not regret it. 
All right, and that's going to do it for this week's show. I want to thank my guests, Will Schneiderhan, Anthony Sarbellini, and Dan Federico for coming on to talk about all the baseball headlines surrounding the trade deadline coming up. If you want more good stuff like this podcast, including my look at the Giants wide receiver problems, check out the blog over at justandthesuffering.wordpress.com. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Feel free to search for Just and the Suffering on any of those platforms, and you will find the podcast there. Feel free to leave your feedback and star ratings to help make this podcast even better going forward. You can also follow me on Twitter at mphillips331. That's M-P-H-I-L-I-P-S-331. And tweet me with the hashtag ShellGame. It'll be at the end of this week's show. Next week, we're going to talk Jets training camp. We did a giant episode a couple weeks ago. We're doing the Jets right after that. We're going to have some baseball talk with Mike Demurgis and more. Until then, hope you have a better week than the Yankees starting rotation. Yeah!